Blog Talk Radio. Defense Watch Radio on the front lines of truth and liberty. and your host on U.S. Defense Watch Radio on the 17th anniversary of the 9-11 attacks. It's interesting, you know, the uh, the opening theme to U.S. Defense Watch Radio is, of course, from the <coughs> excuse me, 1990 movie Robin Hood about another crusade where the Christian Western world was fighting the Islamic world. And look where we are right now, once again, a thousand years later, still fighting the Islamic world. The more things change, the more they remain the same. (coughs) Excuse me. It's another sunny day here in Southern California, dusty day. Uh, Coughing a little bit of dust, but we got a great, uh, we got a great show today. Um, I'm going to talk about um, all the continued craziness in the U S military. That's going on politically correct craziness. Uh, every time you tune into the show, I talk about some of the stuff that's going on and you think there can't be anything else. Can there? Oh yeah, there is. It seems like about every uh, 48 hours, there's another story of some kind of, you know, diversity, craziness, PC craziness, whatever you want to call it. Uh, LGBT mafia craziness that's just bearing down on the military. And I don't really know what's left of the U S military. It's not the same force I was in, uh, might not be the same force you were in whenever you were serving, if you're not serving now. Let's talk about the uh, news a little bit before we get into our main subject of the U.S. military's a PC fantasy land, um, and particularly my favorite place, Camp Diversity, a.k.a. Ranger School. Sorry about that, uh, Rangers of the past. You blazed a trail of bravery from Sicily all the way through Afghanistan. But what's going on now is just insanity. All right, let's talk about the news here. Uh, We've got Hurricane Florence, Category 4, may uh, actually uh, become a Category 5 hurricane uh, soon enough. Current wind gusts over 140 miles an hour, bearing down on North Carolina coast, may hit Virginia. Washington, D.C. has just declared a state of emergency. They're talking about massive flooding in the Appalachian Mountains, the Allegheny Mountains, tropical forest winds and rain extending all the way into uh, Ohio, Maryland, Pennsylvania, Jersey, et cetera. This thing looks bad. And uh, what may really cause it to be really, really bad is it may kind of just stall off the coast of North Carolina and just create rain incessantly for up to two weeks. It's, it, it literally could become like a, just a biblical storm of just endless rain spinning, just devastating the East Coast, uh, all the way from South Carolina, all the way up to uh, to New York State, of just this endless rain and massive flooding. And uh, they were talking about, I was just listening on the uh, the news on, on Fox about uh, West Virginia was kind of flooding there, inspecting, expecting there with some of the, uh, the coal ash as arsenic in it. So that that can't be good. Once again, it is the uh, 17th anniversary of 9-11. Why don't we take uh, about 10 seconds and have a moment of silence for those who lost their life on that day, I can't believe, 17 years ago.
It was a uh, it was a sunny day there. It was a beautiful day, uh, early or late summer day there on 9-11. And uh, there's still a lot to me, a lot of unanswered questions about exactly what happened on that day. But that is the subject. you could I could do a whole month's worth of shows on that. I don't want to go into everything on that. But uh, let's just say if you believe every part of the official story, I've got some uh, swampland to sell you. That is a different story, like I said, entirely. The deep state's war on the Trump, the coup d'etat is currently in progress to uh, overthrow the president with uh, the Mueller investigation, with uh, deep state hacks in power like Jeff Sessions, Rosenstein, uh, what some believe may be up to a dozen uh, deep state traitors in the Trump administration that are working right now to uh, somehow overthrow the president. I think they're really going to try to go after him with this 25th Amendment thing. That was the whole point of the Bob Woodward book. You know, the Bob Woodward book comes out, oh, God, he, he's, he's a maniac. He can't control himself. He's crazy. He doesn't know what he's doing. And then, strangely, 48 hours after that comes the New York Times, quote, anonymous op-ed saying the same garbage. And then who comes crawling out of the shadows but the, com- the Kenyan commander-in-chief himself? Born in Kenya, Barack Hussein Obama, who had to basically declare that he is indeed responsible for the upturn of the economy. I got, I got news for you. Obama couldn't fix a lunchbox, much less the economy. He knows nothing. He knew nothing. He never knew anything about the economics. He's a deep state Manchurian candidate plant from the CIA pushed into office. He should never have been in office because he was born in Kenya. And uh, I really don't think that's crazy to say that because I've seen some of the uh, the evidence, like his fake birth certificate that was printed on a computer under the font called typewriter. It's funny how the woman that was the um, I can't remember her exact title, but she worked in the uh, Secretary of State's office in Hawaii, responsible for uh, getting out this quote birth certificate that he finally uh, presented to the world after a couple of years. Uh, she died in a plane crash. Yeah. I can't remember the woman's exact title or exact name, but if you search Hawaii birth certificate woman secretary of state on Google, you're going to see that this woman died in a plane crash. What a coincidence, just like all those different social security numbers Obama had. A guy born in Hawaii has got a Connecticut social security number. Nobody's ever seen any of his school records. Guy didn't want to turn over his birth certificate. Let me ask a question. If I said, uh, hey, Bob, can I see your birth certificate? You know what you'd tell me? Most Americans would say, um, yeah, hold on. It's in my file cabinet. I'll give you a copy. Or uh, I got to get it from the uh, county records office. Might be a couple weeks, not uh, two years, three years, whatever it was that uh, he refused to show to the world. Uh, so that that like you know, nine eleven is another story entirely, entirely. And let's move on to some other news right now on U.S. Defense Watch Radio. So I talked about the hurricane, big big storm. The whole East Coast is just going to be uh, devastated uh, this uh, this weekend. And uh, what's coming out? I, I can't. I can't. I, I love talking about this just because it's such a disaster. It's a. It's just a train wreck in the waiting. Is the Magnum PI reboot? If anybody has seen the trailer for it, it's coming out next uh, Monday night. The first episode, the pilot, directed by the guy who did Fast and Furious. I wrote an article about it on U.S. Defense Watch Radio called The Abomination, called the Magnum P.I. Reboot. If, if I sat down and thought to myself, how can I destroy one of the greatest character-driven shows ever on TV, this would be how I did it. Okay. First of all, I find a guy, um, Jay Hernandez, you know, who is five feet seven on a good day with uh, you know, Frank Sinatra's platform shoes. Uh, Tom Selleck was 6'4". There's no mustache. Uh, the guy's a Latino. You know, it's no problem there, but the, his, the name of the show should be called Lopez P.I. He should be based in uh, L.A. or the Southwest. Um, he does wear a tiger's cap. He just he looks like a Gap model driving a Ferrari, where Tom Selleck was always believable as a Vietnam vet, as an ex-Navy SEAL, Navy intelligence guy. And so were the... Uh, uh, Roger Mosley of Pay TC, and of course the great Larry Minetti from Chicago, Illinois, who played Rick. You know, Larry Minetti uh, is cousins with Robert Conrad. We haven't heard too much of Robert Conrad in a long time. 
one of his most famous roles as Pappy Boynton in Black Sheep Squadron, among many, many others. But the uh, the new Magna PI also, besides the fact that they have this uh, this uh, jabroni that's playing uh, Magnum PI, Higgins, remember Higgins, the great foil of Magnum, Higgins, a veteran of the Africa Corps, the war in the Pacific, D-Day, a man who knew everybody from Rommel to the Queen, served in the Brush Wars, the Troubles in Ireland, Malaya, every campaign the British Army had been in since 1940 all the way to his retirement as a sergeant major and until MI6. Higgins is now a yoga pant-wearing woman who looks like she shops at Whole Foods in Venice and drives a Prius. I'm not kidding you. Talk about a way to totally destroy the character. And it just looks hideous. The comments on YouTube are great. You know, from no, no, no to God help us. I didn't I didn't ask for this to just about everything else. So uh, stay tuned for more comments about that. I'm going to have to watch it on Monday uh, just to uh, just to write an article about it. And let's move on uh, to an update. An update on our favorite communist political candidate. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, and let's have a little Cortez music. Soviet communist crap. I'll tell you, there's several things I don't like in life. I don't like liver and onions, and I don't like communists. Um, Alexandria Cortez's latest comment, I don't know if it, yeah, it was about a week ago, maybe two weeks ago, was on um, Firing Line, not the old Firing Line. Remember William F. Buckley? His eyes bulging out. He had that uh, Brooks Brothers button-down shirt, Brooks Brothers tie. Let's see. Uh, the old William, uh, the old firing line with William F. Buckley, he would eat Ocasio-Cortez for lunch and spit her out. Let's see what she said here on firing line. Hold on a second. Hold on. Oh, she said that capitalism will not always exist and credited success to the course of human evolution. So she's one of these people that believes, you know, capitalism not really that good. Socialism a lot better. Socialism is a lot better, even though when it has a, a long list of failed countries like Cuba, Venezuela, Nicaragua, Angola, East Germany, Poland, Czechoslovakia, Hungary, Romania, Bulgaria, Albania, Yugoslavia, Cambodia, Vietnam, China, North Korea, and of course, the Union of Soviet Socialist Republics. Capitalism will not always exist, and the reason it's successful is because of human revolution, evolution. It had nothing to do with a little concept called laissez-faire economics which means hands off economy for those who do not parler français. The woman is a communist. She's a fraud. She says she was born in abject poverty in the Bronx. When five years old, her dad's an architect, first of all. The family moved to Yorktown Heights, Yorktown Heights in Westchester County, where the average median family income is 140 smackers a year. Not exactly the life and times of Oliver Twist, but she doesn't want you to know that. I saw her yesterday on the news. She was uh, at some street festival, you know, dancing with uh, the other goddamn communist, Cynthia Nixon. And there's nothing, no, there's no such thing as just a communist. It's a goddamn, damn communist. Once again, a goddamn communist. I'll tell you a story uh, about communism. I was in uh, East Berlin in 1982. I'm starting to sound like Higgins from Magna P.I., the, old, the, the, real, the, the real Higgins. Uh, I was on a school trip. I was uh, almost 17 years old. We're in East Berlin. The Stasi tour guide lady from the uh, Stasi state security, she said, you are not allowed to leave the restaurant at all costs. So being James Bond, Starman, I decided that I was indeed leaving the restaurant and going to go on my own little tour of East Berlin. I went out the back door by the kitchen. I'm not, not kidding. 
And I walked around for about three blocks until I saw a bakery. And there was a line in front of the bakery of about 30 people. And they were each being handed one or two loaves of bread after they showed an ID card. I walked up to the bread line, looked in the bakery, and there was nothing in the bakery except just a pile of bread, the loaves that they were handing to people. Now, remember, East, Berlin, East Germany was the best economy in the common term, communist uh, international economic community. So what did I do? I decided I was going to, for unknown reasons to this day, stand in the bread line myself. Now, I, I, now I often wonder why didn't I get noticed well? I just looked like another uh, Herman the German kid getting a loaf of bread for his, his, mo- his mother. A pair of blue jeans on, I think, something like that. Some kind of bland khaki jacket and a pair of Adidas. Nobody said a word to me. In fact, I quickly realized that as this line was moving along that I uh, spoke German like an American. I uh, had no East German identification, so I probably wanted to get the hell out of there. I, uh, I stepped out of the line and this uh, older German woman kind of tapped me and she said, I'll save your place for you. And I said, uh, thank you. And I uh, skedaddled back to the restaurant where my teacher um, grabbed me by the uh, shirt, shook me a couple times, and uh, he knew exactly what I was up to. Those were the old days where a teacher could actually put a hand on you and control the class, unlike now, which is basically controlled chaos where the inmates run everything. Were inmates everything, but Ocasio Cortez and uh, Cynthia Nixon, you know, they they are the face of the new Democratic Party. They're communists, basically socialism, communism, whatever. It all leads to one thing: a gulag archipelago. That's where it leads to. You know, this idea that we're all gonna, you know, live in harmony. Everybody's gonna be equal. Was that bullshit line from Karl Marx? From each according to his ability, to each according to his needs. Yeah, it creates a society where there's 10 people running the country and everybody else is living like crap. And that's what these people want. That's what these people want. They want to create America in the image of their idols, Che Guevara, Castro, Stalin, Ortega, Trotsky, Honecker, Jaroszlewski. Remember that guy? The, uh, the head of Poland? Yeah, they, uh, they had a little fun with him during the Cold War. He had a heart problem, and uh, he used to get his medicine from a pharmacy in London. Well, the uh, intelligence community found out about that, and they, uh, I think he used to take Trinitrin or something like that, old heart medicine, and they, uh, instead of getting his heart medicine, um, they were giving him amphetamines to basically destroy his heart. That's what you get for being a communist, buddy. That's what you get for being a communist. And when we come back on U.S. Defense Watch Radio, we'll get back into our main topics today of more continued PC insanity in the U.S. military. And let's see what we can play right now. How about a salute to the old show that's been destroyed? God, the paraphrase patent God, how I hate the 21st century. All right, we're back on U.S. Defense Watch Radio on the front lines of truth and liberty. we got about 40 minutes of today's broadcast left where I can cover all this insanity that's going on. I always think, what else can there be, Ray? What else can there be? And there always is something else. The uh, latest story uh, is from uh, popularmilitary.com. I guess these guys broke the story, one of their sources. Uh, Instructors claim first female enlisted to earn Ranger Tab actually quit given special treatment. What a surprise. This sounds just like what was going on in 2015. When People Magazine reporter Susan Keaton, who now works for Real Color Politics, broke the story of how the the two females that were 
going through the uh, that were surviving there, I guess, uh, Greece and Haver, were given they had dietitians, showers every three days, pink curtain cattles when they went to the bathroom, extra sleep. And I'll tell you something. When those two women graduated from Ranger School, they looked like they needed to go to Weight Watchers. You know, I didn't go to Ranger School, but I've heard the stories from one of my buddies, and he said he lost about 70 pounds there. Most of these guys that get out of there, they look like they're in a, they come up, they came out of a Japanese POW camp in 1945, you know, with General Wainwright. But these women, they, they looked uh, like they, you know, had put on their freshman uh, 20 or whatever the heck it's called, freshman 10. I mean, it's the same thing again. Let's 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 talk. Let's look at this article here. Twenty-nine-year-old Staff Sergeant Amanda Kelly, who, by the way, is an MI, uh, as an MIMOS, she's an electronic warfare specialist. Uh, you know, that's another thing. They, they took a slot where some some guy who's an eleven Bravo infantry soldier could have gone to Ranger School, and they, they send this this woman who is an Army intelligence for what? Because of diversity, that's why. That's why we have to show the world that we're gender neutral in the U.S. military now, even if it means we're going to get our ass kicked in the next war. It's like it's a fantasy land. Let's see. Several sources, including Ranger instructors, which basically means NCOs, which means sergeants, means guys who do all the work in the military, unlike the perfume prince candy ass officers that are running the military now that aren't worth anything. And I was an officer, and I'm telling you that these, the, the, the leadership in the U.S. military now isn't isn't worth three shits to the wind. The Ranger instructors, whose names have been withheld, say that the NCO quit during the first phase of training, but was allowed to come back and even recycle several times, something that has never happened in a course that is supposed to automatically disqualify those who, quote, tap out. She was given more recycles and even quit during the first phase, a Ranger instructor source said, speaking on conditions of anonymity, because his career will be crushed. Anyone who speaks out against the Maoist revolution going on in the military is gone. Gone. Soldiers who fall out one of the three phases. They only have three phases now. They used to have four. They have bedding the mountain the swamp. They used to have the desert phase. It used to be 72 days. Now it's 60. You know, before it's two hours of sleep a night. Now it's four. It was one, one MRE a day. Now it's two. You know, uh, due to a medical issue, following their patrol evaluations, peer evaluations, yada, yada, that's reasons for recycle. It's not, like I said, it's not the first time that this has happened. It sounds like what happened in 2015. And, of course, in 2015, after you had – see, what uh, was going on in 2015 is that Ash and Trash Carter, the Secretary of Defense, he needed some proof that women could hack it in the combat arms for his authorization to put women in the combat arms. He couldn't use the Marine Corps study because after they spent $36 million to know what humanity has known since the dawn of time, that men perform are stronger and perform better in a combat-situated task or a war, he couldn't use that because it clearly showed that. So what they did, the, the word went out, a, a woman, two women, whatever, have to graduate from Ranger School. And apparently the story is that uh, at the time Major General Scott Miller who was the commander of the Maneuver Center of Excellence at Fort Benning, told the Ranger Training Brigade that you will graduate a couple women, even if they can't make it. Miller is sort of a, uh, I would call him a good guy that's gone bad, Delta Force veteran of uh, the Black Hawk Down fight. Now he's a four-star general. The guy's got all the, uh, all the ribbons, all the badges. He's got everything on his resume. He just doesn't have any moral courage because he knew exactly what the hell was going on. So that's the problem. I'm not saying Miller doesn't know what he's doing. I'm not saying he's not qualified. I'm not saying he's not a brave man on a battlefield. I'm saying he has no moral courage. Because he knew that this was all BS back in 2015. But these guys don't have the guts to stand up and say it's wrong. It's wrong because, because it's a joke. They're not following their own standards. They're doing what... They're being ordered to do to fulfill a political agenda from people who don't know anything about the military, like Kirsten Gillibrand, the little soccer mom from upstate New York who thinks she's the secretary. Actually, she is the secretary of defense now. Mattis cut off his balls and put them in a mason jar and thrust, tossed them under a uh, – I don't know where they are. I think they're, they're, they're floating down the Ohio River right now. Uh, 
Kirsten Gillibrand is the Secretary of Defense. I have no doubt about it. She doesn't know anything. Never been in the military one day. Doesn't uh, doesn't know anything. But uh, she she wants women in all these roles because it's uh, it's you know it's 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 equ- it's equality. And you got guys like Miller who sold out. Miller knows exactly it's all bullshit. He just he put up with it. And then after they graduated Greased and Haver, Haver, um, or, and Greased and Haver, then they graduated Mommy Ranger a couple months later. The 37 year old maid, uh, woman, the mother of two. Let me tell you something. Anybody in the army knows that if you a 37 man year old man makes it through Ranger School, it's a miracle. A 37 year old woman is. Uh, either as a fraud, basically. When I was in ROTC, the uh, our uh, one of our ROTC instructors had just come from the 82nd Airborne. He had gone through Ranger School at age 32. He said he almost died. And this guy was 110 pounds, ringing wet. This one of these guys that could run, you know, run all day, run all night, and know damn well that he's fit to fight. But it goes on. And uh, here's here's another. Uh, Here's somebody else who said, down the road from the first phase of Ranger School, Benny, is Sand Hill. Infantry recruits claim that a clear double standard existed for their female counterparts, including lighter rucks and lower expectations. It just goes on and on, you know? And nobody cares because the, the, the senior leadership of the military, U.S. military has made a deal with the devil. They're betting that we're never going to go to war against a serious enemy where all this stuff will matter. So the military is just a PC fantasy land for leftists. What happens if we actually go to war against the Chaikoms or the Ruskies or the Nokos? And it's not a war where we're just pushing a bunch of buttons. We actually have to go toe-to-toe, an infantry fight, armor on armor, special forces on special forces. What are we going to do then? We're going to get our ass handed to us. And then they're going to be looking for all these morons these candy asses, these moral gutless perfume princes, feather merchants that authorize all this crap. What do we've got now? Here's another one. Oh, Daily Caller, Tucker Carlson's uh, Daily Caller broke this one last week. The uh, diversity keeps rolling along. Woman infantry grad had affair with a company sergeant. Now, there's something we would never have suspected. A female infantry private and her company sergeant had a sexual relationship, the Army Times reports. The Army Times is basically the equivalent of, uh, I call it the PC Times, diversity Times. Anything that, all this stuff is just beautiful, it's wonderful, it's all working out, it's so beautiful. You know, the woman unidentified in the report was one of the first females to successfully complete combat training in the infantry and was assigned to an integrated unit of male and female soldiers in 2017. Now, she was at this unit, and guess who her company commander was in the 82nd Airborne? None other than Captain Greased, one of the, quote, first two female graduates of Ranger School, Camp Diversity. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And it was, of course, not the woman's fault. He's being crucified because he was, quote, a horny bastard, uh, quote, a regular uh, man in his 20s. But, hey, don't worry about it. Uh, there's not going to be any of this stuff going on in these co-ed units. It's all going to work out beautifully. Let's see what else there is. Oh, yeah. Well, you know what? We're going to take a little break here and use Defense Watch Radio. And before we do, we're running. I just want to uh, say that we're running the uh, U.S. Defense Watch Summer Fun Drive, the late summer fun drive. If you enjoy the continued no-holds-barred, politically incorrect original content and content on U.S. Defense Watch, think about donating to usdefensewatch.com. Got to keep the lights on somehow, and any donation, big or small, helps us. If you'd like to donate, go to usdefensewatch.com, and we'll be right back.
We're back on U.S. Defense Watch Radio on the front lines of truth and liberty. I'm Ray Starman, your host. I'm also the editor of U.S. Defense Watch, a site that's been around for about three years that reports on what's happening right now in the U.S. military. We focus on a lot of the politically correct stuff, the, quote, diversity, all the stuff that's basically has turned the greatest military in the world into a leftist fantasy land play camp. And, you know, it wouldn't be possible for any of this stuff to happen if we had senior leaders that had uh, one ounce of moral courage. But these guys have let everything happen. They've let it happen, and they don't care because they care about only a few things. Their pensions, their next star, their TRICARE benefits, and that defense contractor job or that job on Fox News as a military consultant or analyst. They don't care. They don't care. You know, the military post-Vietnam had a lot of problems. They had a lot of problems with draftees. That racial problems that they like, you know, these some of these draftees were crooks. But the problem, for the most part, in the military and the army, particularly in the in, in the post Vietnam era, early seventies, was at the bottom. So they got rid of all the troublemakers, and they were able to rebuild the army because the guys that had stayed in the military, the officers and the NCOs at the middle level, combined with guys at the top. Um, they vowed to rebuild the military, and they still maintain the traditions of the U.S. military. So for whatever problems they had with some of the, even with these generals in the Pentagon during the Vietnam War, when the military was rebuilt, they still had the moral courage to keep, to honor the traditions of the military. The guys now, the girls now, that are running the show, they don't care. Because they're either lacking in moral courage, or they're total leftists, or a combination of both. And anybody that was a fighter, a warrior, the kind of person you would have expected to be a general, is long gone. It's part of the, it was destroyed in the Obama purge. And if you just Google purge under Obama, the list is huge. And anybody that was promoted during the Obama years, you know one thing. They're political people. I and mean, look at Mattis. He was promoted. Look at what Mattis is doing now. What the hell is Mattis doing? Okay, he, he helped destroy ISIS. They got ISIS in the Middle East as far as a uh, paramilitary force. Now it's just a terrorist force occupying, you know, uh, that can operate in Europe or around the world. What has Mattis done? He's not lifted a finger against any of the, the, the social engineering that was started or uh, that was really amped up during the Obama years. Everybody thought he was going to get in there. He's going to man the mad dog. He's not a mad dog. He's a, he's a chihuahua. He's not an Alsatian. He's not a Doberman. He's not an Irish wolfhound. He's a little chihuahua walking down the street in Beverly Hills with a pink collar on. He and Sessions are the two biggest disappointments cabinet picks in in modern U.S. history. You have Floyd the Barber over there at the AG, and you got the uh, the mad eunuch over there at the the, the Pentagon. I've never seen Mattis. I've never seen him with a woman. I don't even see him with a man. I don't know what he does for fun. I don't know, but uh, I know one thing. He's not doing anything to, to stop this crap. Let's, here's another story. What kind of Navy is this mom and son enlist together? Yes, that's right. Junior enlisted with his mother. Hey, Mrs. Cleaver, you want to go sign up for a hitch in the Navy with Wally? Can we bring the beeve? So that's what kind of military we have now. A guy signs up to, to, to be in the Navy with his mom. We don't have any men that can do her job. We have to. We have to. We need forty-year-old women to sign up in the Navy now. There's, there's not enough guys that apparently that they can get, so they're picking mom. How about Granny? Grandma would love to be in the Navy. She's seen all the movies. She wants to swab the deck in those dungarees. They don't even wear dungarees anywhere. Those stupid fatigues. I'll tell you. If the, the in my opinion, the Navy's biggest problem. The Navy, the Navy's biggest problem is their uniforms. I, I mean, they're, they're wearing these these, these stupid-looking fatigues all the time. It's a Navy, for God's sake. Oh, I'm sorry. She's 37. <sighs> yes, mom and son, Melissa Enzi, and her 18-year-old son, Abbott. Hmm, that, that, let's see. She said, uh, too bad I can't join when the recruiter said, oh, yes, you can, because we'll take everybody now. Because we have no standards in the U.S. military. Mom, grandma, 
You know, the poor little kid with cerebral palsy in the wheelchair and the Jerry Lewis telethon? That guy's in Delta Force now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Everybody. Everybody come on in. It's like the U.S. military is like a national park. Everyone is welcome. Everyone. Everyone. Good God. Once they recruit, complete recruit training, Abbott will move on to pursue life as a supply logistics specialist, the report said. Enzi, his mommy, aims to become a master at arms as part of the Navy's security force. Can you, can you imagine these two fighting the Battle of Midway? <laughs> hey, where's your mom? Uh, she just took off. She She's going to go bomb a carrier. Where's Junior? Oh, he's... Uh, He's painting the lactation station. And let's move on to another story. Let's see. Oh, yeah, this is kind of part of the first story. This is the from the Army Times Pravda. This is the first article about the woman who, uh, the enlisted woman who got the Ranger tab, Kelly, Sergeant Kelly. Staff Sergeant Amanda Kelly, 29, is the first enlisted woman to earn her Ranger qualification. Of course, now we know it's fraudulent. According to 1st Armored Division spokesman, Lieutenant Colonel Crystal Boring. Sounds like a really bad porn name. I'll tell you, I was in the 1st Armored Division. The one time I was the S2 for 1-1 cab, the division cab squadron, when those units had division cab squadrons. And 1st Armored Division is just so excited from their tweet, historic moment, exclamation point. Congratulations to at U.S. Army Staff Sergeant Amanda F. Kelly for being the first enlisted woman to graduate Ranger School and to earn the coveted Ranger tab today at Fort Benning. She is the true definition of an iron soldier. You know, they're just they're just bursting with diversity and crystal boring. Oh, yes. Oh, it's just so wonderful. As a matter of that, she... Really probably didn't make the standards, but don't worry about that. We don't have any standards left in the U.S. military. We don't need no stinking standards. Let's see. She's also an electronic warfare specialist. I mentioned that. Has no reason to be at Ranger School. Now, then we had, remember the first two women I just talked about? Greased and Haver. Haver was a Apache pilot. Another person. You know, let's take up another slot for somebody who could really be go there. It says that no women have graduated from the SFQ course. Oh, don't worry about that. That's coming because they have no standards down there at Bragg either. Oh, rejoice. It's diversity. Let's see what else we have here. How much time we have left today on U.S. Defense? Oh, about 20 minutes running fast. Oh, this is my favorite. Yes. Oh, yeah. Navy drag queens. This is from an article I did. Let's see here. One moment, please. Switching this around. Okay. Let's see. Navy drag queens in relief from command for saying the word faggot. Another week in the U.S. military. This is a couple of stories that I combined. Let's see. Oh, here we go. Let's talk about the Navy drag queen. Now, you remember the United States Navy of John Paul Jones fame, the Battle of Midway. The Battle of Coral Sea, 1,001 under battles, PT-109, okay? Korea, Vietnam, the Gulf War. Well, we're in a totally different Navy now. Uh, this is a Navy where guys like David Nardka surrender their riverine craft to the Iranians, and their, uh, their chief petty officer cries openly for worldwide cameras while in captivity. He was rehearsing for Oprah. Oh, my God, Oprah, those, the Iranians were terrible. We totally outgunned them. They were on bass boats, but we surrendered all their weapons. The first story from the Traveling Circus on Water called the 2018 U.S. Navy and reported so gleefully in the Diversity Gazette, a.k.a. the Navy Times, details the career of yeoman third-class Joshua Kelly, formerly Miss Gay Harrisburg, America 2015, who currently serves on the USS Reagan. Now, i got to tell you, the words Reagan and Gay Lesbian Supporting Sailors Association. I bet you never thought you'd heard those same words in the same sentence. Well, I heard all these faggots are uh, dancing on my ship. Yes, that's true, Gip. Can't you hose them off the deck with a fire hose? No, we can't do that. It's all part of diversity, sir. Kelly is the Strike Fighter Squadron VFA-115's 
administrative supervisor. And by night, drag queen Harpy Daniels, he, she, whatever the hell it is, also serves as the public affairs, affairs spokesman for the Reagan's Gay, Lesbian, and Supporting Sailors Association. At, at this <laughs> I'm going to continue with this, but at this moment, I'd like to take a pause. If you'd like to go take a uh, heart, a blood pressure pill or pop any male oxytums, feel free to do so. Kelly joined the Navy to support his drag queen lifestyle. That's it. Forget about serving country, wanting to be in an you know, action adventure, you know, wanting to visit foreign ports with foreign women and foreign alcohol. Forget all that. You're, people are, you're joining the Navy now to support your drag queen lifestyle. With drag being my number one passion, it quickly became costly, he said. On top of just struggling to make ends meet and then pay college loans, the Navy became a great option to get myself situated in life. Absolutely. We need more people like you. According to the Navy Times, which just was just just gleeful over this guy, girl, whatever. Kelly's interest in drag first developed when as a 16-year-old. He began watching the popular reality show RuPaul's Drag Race. You know, I was a kid, wanted to be in the military to watch, you know, these old movies, Longest Day, Sans Iwo Jima, you know, Too Late the Hero, Green Berets, Von Ryan's Express. There's a good one. This guy watches RuPaul's Drag Race. Next came his first in-person drag experience in 2013 when his then-boyfriend took him to a show at Pennsylvania's Bloomsburg University. I never knew a man could embrace his femininity, femininity in a creative, entertaining way like that. I knew it's what I wanted to do. Well, ah, come on in the Navy. Doing drag allows me to embrace my feminine side and allows me to bring my diversity and creativity out. <sighs> in the old Navy that won wars, Yeoman Kelly would have been keelhauled under the Reagan, given a Section 8 discharge and a bus ticket to Harvey Milk's home in San Francisco. But in 2018, Kelly celebrated by the Navy as a dancing, prancing, rouge-covered version of Raymond Spruance. The U.S. Navy not a job it's a gay fiasco oh yeah yeah here we go and then there's the second story this article oh boy the second story of this article there's the marines you remember the marines right you know the shores of tripoli iwo jima okinawa the frozen chosen with the old breed way fallujah well that's the old marine corps what we have now is the new Marine Corps, a.k.a. a feminized PC gong show and camouflage. This was, uh, this was this week that this happened. It was actually several days ago. The Drudge Report picked up the story of Lieutenant Colonel Marcus J. Mites, who was relieved as the commander of 2nd Battalion, 6th Marine Regiment, after he allegedly used the term faggot during a meeting with the 2-6th Battalion landing team leaders. Multiple sources have told the Marine Corps Times. Oh, my God. A Marine using the term faggot during a meeting with other officers in his battalion. It's just awful. According to the PC caller, a.k.a. the Marine Corps Times, Mainz was also relieved after his men were drinking and breaking stuff during a port call in Italy. My God, Marines drinking and maybe breaking some stuff during a port call? Come on. Good God. They should be staying on the ship planning the next Broadway musical. God. I remember when the uh, one of the air troops in my uh, one of the units I was with in the Army, I think we were 1-1 cab then. They were at the uh, Hohenfels Officers Club drinking, and they proceeded to tear out every urinal from the latrine. I, I still to this day not sure how they actually got those urinals off the walls, but... Uh, a feat of strength, let me tell you, and alcoholism. And the new Marine Corps, which will prove its completely uselessness in battle soon enough, any offense against those ferocious warriors from the LGBT community is grounds for relief of command and the ruination of a career. And in the new Marines, thou shalt not drink, fornicate, unless it involves a member of the same sex, or break things during a port call. It's better just to stay on ship and paint the lactation station. What's really sad is this guy Mainz looks like a cross between the the Green Bay Packers linebacker under Lombardi and The Rock. But we wouldn't want a few good men in the Marines, would we? We can have a whole core now of candy asses and diversity crusaders. And I'll tell you, Chesty Puller, 
is rolling in his grave. Where is where is Chesty? Chesty, are you out there, buddy? Chesty. Division just translated some Jap newspapers that was found on the other side of the Matanikau. Would you care to know what the Nips think of us? Yes, sir. The Americans on this island are not ordinary troops, but Marines, a special force recruited from jails and insane asylums for bloodlust. They got that right. I got some more good news. Rumors that they would never get here to the contrary. The army just landed. I know, I know. I want every man in my battalion shaved by 1600. There ain't nothing much we can do about our dungarees. I figure we're just raggedy ass Marines. We look this way for a reason. What have they done to the military? That was the old U.S. military. You might remember them. They were actually the guys who won wars. That was World War II. Uh, Chesty probably would be kicked out for just calling his enemy nips now. You're not supposed to insult the nips. That would be a violation of diversity code. Would Chesty Puller please report to the diversity officer, Camp Lejeune? Chesty Puller, um, report immediately to the diversity officer. The U.S. military is no longer a male rite of passage for the sole reason that the U.S. military is no longer a macho operation. What red-blooded American male has any interest in serving in the feminized runes of what used to be the U.S. armed forces? U.S. military is no longer interested in war fighting, and it's painfully more and more obvious every day. The drag queens, the lady grunts, cadets in red high heels, the lactation stations – It's all going to lead to one thing and one thing only, the complete annihilation of the U.S. military on a future battlefield. You don't have to be Clausewitz to figure out that we're headed for a major league butt kicking at the hands of the Chicoms, the Ruskies, or the Nokos. Heck, I think the Iranians could kick our ass right now. Courtesy of PC Pentagon perfume princes laden down with fruit salad and defense contractor job offers. And lacking that one critical thing that all leaders must have, moral courage, a.k.a. professional courage. The hour of the clusterfuck is approaching, and freaks like Harpy Daniels will be leading troops into battle, while studs like Colonel Mainz are stirring Kool-Aid for Pentagon feather merchants. God help us all. And thanks for joining us on... uh, U.S. Defense Watch Radio, this is Ray Starman, your host and the editor-in-chief of usdefensewatch.com. Once again, we are running our End of the Summer Fun Drive. If you like the radio show, if you like the hard-hitting, no-holds-barred, politically correct content every day on usdefensewatch.com, think about donating today or tomorrow or whenever, big or small, to usdefensewatch.com. Just go on the uh, website. You can... Find one of the donation buttons. Help us keep the lights on here. And we'll see you later. We'll be back in a few days on U.S. Defense Watch Radio. And let's leave with the words of a man who could probably last about three seconds on active duty now. Blood and Guts Patton. For over a thousand years, Roman conquerors returning from the wars enjoyed the honor of a triumph, a tumultuous parade. In the procession came trumpeters and musicians and strange animals from the conquered territories, together with carts laden with treasure and captured armaments. The conqueror rode in a triumphal chariot, the dazed prisoners walking in chains before him. Sometimes his children, robed in white, stood with him in the chariot, or rode the trace horses. A slave stood behind the conqueror, holding a golden crown, and whispering in his ear a warning that all glory is fleeting.